Hi, I'm John Stevens. This is Matt Russell. And this is Pod Have Mercy. This is Pod Have Mercy. So, a lot has happened since we were together last. And that's actually... We're, 24 we're, hours ago. Well, we're doing, we're, we're, we are doing this podcast because of spring break a little earlier yeah. than we normally would. But even from a few days ago. Yeah. It's it's really, it, we are, things are really unfolding at a rapid pace. Yes. With this now yeah. defined by the World Health Organization pandemic yeah. of coronavirus. So this is like front page news. Yeah. And unlike things like politics or denominational issues or all those sorts of things, those are things that a lot of people can uh, insulate themselves from. Yeah. And also we, you, you can have an opinion about it, right? There's a sense in which like this makes us realize that we are one human community that's in this together. Like, like I'd like to live. How about you, John? I would like to live. I would like to live. That would be good. good. Living is good. I've enjoyed it so far. There, there are moments. It's worked out well for us. There are moments that are tough, but overall I'm thinking, yeah. I give it an A. Yeah. And, and I, I vote for that. I sure like our weaker brothers and sisters on either side of, you know, um, the, the ocean and on this side of the ocean that are sick or frail or struggling with, I like them to live, you know, it's yeah. like, we're in this together. Well, I think that's, I, I think today, I mean, when we're talking about all of these things, there's, there are in going through with the church and in the community, in the city, what are some big things that have happened all of a sudden mm. you've got. The city of Houston has declared uh, a state of emergency, mm-hmm. which means that nothing permitted by the city will be allowed to happen yeah. uh, if any groups. All those things have canceled the rodeo, rodeo. which people who are not from Houston don't realize. I learned when I came. Oh, yeah. you don't, the rodeo <laughs> is not something you play with. There is the it resurrection is, of Jesus, and right underneath that is a Houston is rodeo. Is the Houston livestock and rodeo. Uh, it, it, it's, it's amazing, and it's a whole month, mm-hmm. and there's concerts almost every night and there's rodeo uh, and it's so much scholarship money is tied scholarship to that, right? money uh-huh. competitions people are preparing their their animals and livestock no. show and there oh, yeah. are amusement rides and everything and all of a sudden you see this news press conference that we're, that they're going to shut it down mm-hmm. and i don't know that they you know really wanted to shut down but the health department <laughs> of the city said we're shutting it down. And now you see closures of gatherings and churches are dealing with this now and uh, closure of, you know, no gatherings for, I mean, anyone, I mean, it's a good thing we have live stream uh, online. Yeah. (laughs) It's, it really is like nothing. I, I can't think of anything in my lifetime that quite like this. Yeah. And I'm, I'm wondering, I don't know about you, like what, what is the, um, what's the right, what's right size? You know, like how do we take, you mean as far as response? Yeah. How do we take like really good precaution, but also not like what you were saying, uh, in the last episode, how do we not then let fear, how do we take precaution and be really safe and do all the things we need to do? And then also, um, be an alternative presence of peace in the world that says, um, um, don't let fear have a foothold in this. Yeah. I think there's a tactical aspect. Okay. And then there's the spiritual, some people call it emotional aspect. 
What do you mean? Well, for the tactical aspect, you think about, okay, well, we're going to have increased measures of protocol with not serving communion in the way that we have in the past or making sure that our the custodial uh, team is extra precautious with the disinfectants and all the doorknobs and the stair handrails and, you know, and, and the children's areas and all of these things that we do or not having meetings, canceling meetings, doing things remotely. Uh, There's tactical stuff. And so you can give everyone the list of all of the tactical things that we, that we do. And that makes people feel good, but I don't know that that's enough. And this is where I see uh, in society that, the messaging of leaders, and I, I think it's all leaders, whether they're local, federal, national, international leaders, is that sometimes we tend to focus too much on the tactical aspect and mm. we don't focus enough on what I call pastoral, the pastoral, the shepherding, That's right. just the nurturing. You know, yeah. sometimes it, people are afraid. Yes. It's it's scary. Even yes. though when you look at the data, you see that it, it doesn't really like, uh, SARS or mirrors, yeah, yeah. it doesn't affect children and students. At least that's just what the science has shown right now. Yeah. Quite as much. this article that I just found, it's, it's very much passing by sparing kids, but it's harder on those who are elderly or who have compromised immune systems, those types of things. And so you have to be smart. The tactical stuff is there, but how do you make people feel? Yeah. How do they feel through this? I think yeah. it's important. And so when you watch in the news, there's not, there's not a lot of good feeling yeah. That comes from yeah. that. It, um, I've been wondering too about that. If the, in terms of kind of surrendering our life to the care of God and all of this um, and taking those kind of those tactical responses to also hear the alternative voice of the spirit, you know, uh, in a sense, lay the spirit's hand on all our shoulders, our church's shoulders, those in our communities to say, fear not, mm. right? Um, fear not. Don't be run away with fear. One of the spiritual disciplines I had to participate in this morning was just turning the TV off. Yeah. Because I realized more information- It builds. Was not going to help me. And it's something every- <laughs> my Yesterday, my phone is blowing up. Yeah. Today, my phone is blowing up. What are you doing? Have you heard this, that? And it's, it's every 10, 15 minutes, there's yeah. something new. Uh, that yeah. that blows up yeah. that related to this. Yeah, uh, I mean you're talking about my daughter, who all of a sudden says, "Hey, Dad, uh, she's coming <laughs> home next week from University of Oklahoma, Boomer," and she says, "Hey, guess what? Uh, I'm going to be staying home for three weeks." Wow! Now I know why everyone went out and bought the extra yeah, toilet yeah. paper. <laughs> Because, right? I mean, because yeah, the, uh, all the kids are coming home yeah. and they're yeah. not going back. Yeah. So yeah. you better be stocked. Yeah. Up. And I, and I think about those in our community that, um, that Chapwood is so committed to loving and working alongside that the folks that are working two jobs and to hold it together, you know, like if, if they, you know, if schools begin to kind of um, do what they need to do for that tactical response, how that affects yeah. kind of, um, Th- this is something that you us. and I talked about. Uh, well, between the podcast is that sometimes we think so much about ourselves where we're in the center of things, but when we can start making space for God to be in the center, uh, then we start seeing things differently. (laughs) And I think one part of this for us is to not forget that there are a lot of people out there that are way more vulnerable than you and I are. 
Absolutely. And people who, that we know that listen to this, yeah. people that are in very dangerous places. Yeah. And that don't have the disposable income that I do to go to Costco and just buy the heck out of toilet paper or water or, you know, Cheetos, you know, which I think is a, you know, my, my boys think is a, uh, so if you're, you know. if you're a 14 day quarantine, <laughs> now are you the crunchy Cheetos or the puff Cheetos? I, I can't eat that stuff. Cause it for, for uh, yeah, but, but my boys can, <laughs> I like the crunchy, the small like the crunchy? crunchy ones. I, if I, 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 I do too. Yeah. Let me just, they're pretty honest. good. They are good. So, so part of that then is when I think about the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray and we get to that part that says, give us this day, our daily bread, like that, that desire that to realize that as I begin to accumulate bread for the, you know, um, for the possibility that there's other people that can't hmm. and that that's not a guilt. That's just saying that the question that Jesus, you know, asks uh, Cain, you know, where, where is, uh, where's Abel? Where's your brother? And he says, am I my brother's keeper? You know, uh, and I think the Yahweh's response might have been, no, 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 you're your brother's brother, right? Yeah. <laughs> no, you're not his keeper. You're his brother. And so we've got brothers and sisters in our neighborhoods um, that, um, that one of the ways that we might be the presence of Jesus is to attend to those kinds of um, relationships. I heard someone, I can't remember if it was who it was, Barbara Brown Taylor, maybe, I don't remember. But the question is interesting. Am I, am I my brother's keeper? Mm. Because it's um, really the Lord in the Old Testament, God is described as the keeper of, of all of our souls, the great keeper oh, of our souls. Great. So he's almost that's pointing great. and said, you're the, you're the keeper. You're the keeper. Am I my brother's you talking keeper? talking to you're, me? You're the keeper. <laughs> you know, and sort of oh, that's, putting God yeah. on the spot. Yeah. And, but I, I like that. I like, I like your response. You're not your brother's keeper, your brother's you're, brother. Yeah. And so how do we, in the midst of the, the, the fear that we all feel, how do we continue to live into our birthright as sons and daughters of the beloved, the most high God, and love our brothers and sisters um, around us that, um, um, that are struggling? But love them in tangible ways. You, you're, you're talking about, <laughs> yes. you're talking about now schools being shut down for yeah. multiple weeks yeah. after spring break. Yeah. You're talking about virtual learning. You're talking about, what's interesting about this virtual learning, I, when, when, when they, when they put, turn that on or they talk about that, yeah. right? You and I go, oh yeah, good. Oh, virtual sure. learning. Yeah. What about families that don't have yeah. internet? What about access families to- that don't have computers? What about yeah. families that don't yeah. have any access to yeah, any of these things. That's so true. now you've got this huge um, separation. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I, we, I don't even think that a lot of people th- that even comes to their mind. Yeah. And I think good community leaders, whether it's in Houston school district or others around here, those are, those are things because you have a huge population. What's the percentage of children that are hungry yeah, uh, yeah. in our city? Yeah. I mean, Kinder says it's a third. Yeah, <clears throat> of all of all kids in HISD, I don't know what the 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 um, stats are for Spring Branch. My my um, youngest son has a a friend whose family is from Latin America. Uh, dad works at a um, a valve company. Uh, the mother cleans houses, and so mm. we were talking with them. Um, they um, this this little guy was over to play last night. We we're talking to them about what happens if school shuts down, and there is a lot of fear there because it's like, what do we do with our, what do we do with our son? We need to, we're we're barely making ends meet, 
right? Yeah. And so part of that for the Christian community is to ask that, to, to not to say, well, kind of, you know, it sucks to be you. I hope you figure that out. But, oh, maybe maybe this little guy can come over to our house. You know, what, what are ways that we might think, like you said, creatively about instantiating, moving towards love in action? Mm-hmm. You know, and it may be, um, as odd as it sounds, showing up with toilet paper, you know, yeah. or showing up saying, hey, we're going to take our kids to the park. I sure love your kids to hang out with us for a day or two. Yeah, the most vulnerable people that are the ones that get impacted by this that are that are, yeah. that are hurt the most. Yeah. I mean, you know, I've, I've run into so many people that are like, well, I'd love to be in quarantine for 14 days. Yeah. Like, oh, really? Oh, really? <laughs> a lot of people don't. Don't really, yeah. I mean, that's not that they don't want to, they can't. Yeah. You know, I, I think about the response, um, um, and I wasn't here at the time, but I, I saw the response of Chapelwood towards um, the the flood, you know, uh, towards Hurricane Harvey. Yeah, Harvey. And, and it reminded me of the image I saw at 9-11 when everybody was running away. <laughs> there was that group of folks that were running towards. Mm-hmm. And in some ways, I've learned this, this has been taught in kind of 12-step communities, is that the way that you deal with your own sense of internalized fear, and it's deeply counterintuitive, is that you serve. Yeah, you reach out. You get out of yourself. You know, you don't wait until you you feel better because that that's that may that day may never come or it may come in, you know, six months or two weeks. But you begin to say, who can I serve? Hmm. Not in a codependent way, not in those, you know, but who who needs my help today? And I think that that's one of the things that this church has done over and over um, for decades is that in pandemics like this or whatever this thing is, is that we say, okay, okay, we get it. Let's take all the tactical things. Who do we serve? There are people who are not, uh, this big word now, preppers. (laughs) Preppers? These are people who uh, hoard stuff for... (laughs) These horrible events that happen. <laughs> that mental and, illness is looking really smart right now. Isn't yeah, it? hoarding. <laughs> yeah. But I, I got uh, news this morning that there were actually a guy at a bank, and they, mm. there are people who are calling the bank and yeah. saying, hey, I want, I want to withdraw you know, cash, $100,000 in cash. I mean, I couldn't do that. I don't have that much money. But yeah. you, there are people just, it's crazy. It's like, yeah. I want it in cash. Yeah. And yeah. you're talking about people who are making their paycheck every week, and it lasts yeah. for the week. Yeah. So one of the things I hear you talk about all the time is that that the church is called not just to situational empathy, but sustained compassion, mm. right? So situational empathy can come where I see a need and I can throw something at it or do something for a time, but but it's the... It's the text that we we see all the time in the Gospels um, where Jesus, I, I think about what Jesus asked the Pharisee, Simon, do you see this woman? You know, yeah. you know, do you see the world in need? Okay, then keep looking at it. Just keep your eye on that because uh, CNN and everybody else is going to, uh, all the news is going to pull your eye over to these things. It says, put the mask over yourself first and make sure that, you know, you've walled off everything yeah, we get it. And um, look beyond yourself. Do you see the world that you're in? There's going to be people that in all the frenzy are going to be overcome with panic. Mm. Serve them. Love them. Reach out beyond yourself. Give to them. You know, this article that I found is spiritual needs and concerns always relate to the big questions in life. Oh, yeah, yeah. 
And the one thing I find, and if this is going to be the case, it's the case already I've seen with corona, this coronavirus. Uh, but when people go to the hospital, usually when it's the first time they've ever experienced a hospital stay or the first time they've ever had a serious illness or a diagnosis, people have this thought process that they're going to go to the doctor and they're going to go to the hospital. This, this is for folks who don't have experience in this. You find this a lot, especially with people our age as we get older. Um, and they go and they think, all the doctors communicate with each other perfectly yeah, right, right. and they think they're going to do a test or two and they're going to figure out what's wrong with me. And you realize really quick, the lack of control, the lack of, of how much we don't know. Yes. That's why they call it the practice, the of, practice medis- of medicine. Of medicine. Yeah, right, right. But these, mm. what, I, what I have found through the chaplains and their network and learned from them is that to walk alongside and help people to deal with these big questions, like why is this happening? Um, why is it happening to me? People ask that all yeah, the time. Absolutely. And what does this mean? How do I make sense of this? How do I feel about the changes that are going on in my life? When we help people think about the, the corona virus, how's this, how is this causing people to feel? Mm. Um, you know, there, there are people that are still, ah, oh, it's nothing. If you look at the statistics, yeah, it's yeah, not, right, right, right. And, you know, more people die every day of rabies than they do yeah, yeah. this thing. Well, yeah, but that's still scary. Right. And especially if you're someone who's in that vulnerable category. Right. I mean, it's really scary. Yeah. yeah. And even if you have a vulnerable middle state where you kind of are more, um, you list towards more anxiety, you know, having mm-hmm. someone tell you that, you know, um, you know, that some meteor could kill more people, whatever, you know, that's not helpful. You know, um, I wonder if part of the spiritual resource, um, that, that we have at our access is, um, when, when, when Jesus looks into the storm and and commands peace, Mm -hmm. if partly what, what, what we have access to in our spiritual lives is to look at the anxiety of this and to, in some ways, command peace over it, um, to say, um, we're going to make really good decision, decisions, right? Tactically, like you speak of, mm. but then also we're going to ask the peace of God, um, to be so prevalent that we might take wise action in the world, um, in places that could, um, list towards chaos, yeah. our, our vulnerable brothers and sisters, whatever that looks like for us. You know, and I think that's one of the things that we can do, continue to do as a community of faith at Chapelwood that says, um, yeah, do, be smart, command peace, ask God to give peace, command it, you know, out of your very gut and yeah. then walk in it. It, it goes back to <laughs> the, the anxiety and the, the, we yeah. were talking about yeah. even Paul gives us, gives us guidance to think about the redirection of our thinking yeah. and, and to really focus on the things, to find the things that are positive. But I think also what's interesting about <laughs> spiritual care and the spirituality or spiritual resources is what is your beloved community? What's your beloved mm-hmm. community that you are connected to yeah. that supports you through this? Right. And this is, That's you know, right. there's, there's a whole generation now that doesn't have a beloved community or their beloved community is rooted in something. Your church used to be that. Mm. And even now I find uh, the Sunday school classes, if someone is diagnosed, uh, last week I mentioned 
someone was diagnosed with breast cancer and how the Sunday school class is like their family. Like Rose up. They bring them food. <laughs> they say, hey, I've been through this or my sisters, let me connect you. Yes. And they surround these people and they know they're not alone. Now that is not tactical help, right? There's nothing they can do to help her go through. I mean, the, the specific, the doctor's visits and Got the it. surgeries right. and the chemotherapy or that stuff, but the, the spiritual the wholeness support, part of that. the wholeness part of it. And this is what's interesting to me is who loves me, who is loved by me, no matter what. Mm. That's what I, I worry mm. about for a whole generation that will find themselves in a more secularized society with less connection to beloved communities. Again, maybe it is neat. I'm not talking about being connected to dysfunctional church mm-hmm. or denomination. I'm talking about where is your spiritual life rooted? Where does it happen? Yeah. I love this quote. It, institutions that ignore the spiritual dimensions of our health and well-being mm-hmm. increase their risk of only being biological garages where dysfunctional human parts are repaired or replaced. <laughs> and they also become prisons of technical mercy. obscure the integrity and scope of the whole person. So when you think about going to the doctor or protecting yourself, if you don't have some faith capacity, some spiritual capacity, some connection, some beloved community, then you're only dealing with it again in the tactical, then then this becomes true. It's just, we're, it's just, we're in a prison of technical mercy. We're limited in our own biological garage. Even if we're taking the right steps and everything else, it just devoids you of spirit. It devoids you of humanity. And we're treated like lab rats. Yeah, right. In many ways. Yeah, yeah. And so we we as a community sit in front of the love of God and we are loved, right? Mm -hmm. I I think about... um, our bodies. Um, one of the one of the great perennial teachings of spirituality is that you are born uh, with a nature that is going to die. We talked about that. That's Ash Wednesday. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Someday you'll die. Don't freak out. You have a frail body, right? Um, and the older you get, the more you realize every day. <laughs> that's right. The more frail it is. Right. Gets. And so don't. Not that there's nothing to grieve, but don't freak out. Um, you're born with this nature. And that's the nature you have. And you will, um, and I wonder if that's the part of our spiritual life um, that we're taught to surrender, right? And so as we continue to surrender our life and our will to the care of God, then we can take wise action in the midst of that, realizing um, how do we love? How do we reach beyond? How do we move towards the edges and the the margins um, of our own lives and of our own community at Spring Branch in the wider city of Houston. And yeah. just say, hey, um, if you're freaking out right now, um, call us, pick up the phone. Yeah, reach out you know, to reach somebody. Out. Yeah. Look at all of the things in recent years that we have um, spent all of our time and energy obsessing about, fighting about, dividing about, polarizing about, whether it's politics or human sexuality or denominational disagreements, all these things. And now when you're really, it's it's like when you really are threreatened by something real. It goes like, 
then all of those other things are now put in a place of perspective. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And you see in our society, there'll still be political wrangling. They'll, you're going to find them, they're going to argue over this, you know, they're going to threaten and negotiate for bailout package and you're going to steal all of that. Mm-hmm. But what you're going to see, just like in Hurricane Harvey in Houston, you're going to see broad, diverse groups that, that, sit, that are as far apart from each other as they can. They're going to come together and they're going to have a common purpose. This is what unity is. Yes. Unity, when you have a common purpose and a vision of something that binds you together as the yeah. human condition. So now we're getting to our well-being, yeah. our life. That that's a pretty good yeah. unifying power absolutely. that binds us together. Yeah, absolutely. I wonder a, a psychological reading of this also might suggest that we are people that live with an exorbitant amount of hidden anxiety, fear, and possibly depression. And when things like this happen on a global scale, like I, I don't know how to always kind of just, you know, when people ask you how you are, how you doing, Matt? I'm good, you know. Well, underneath that, I, you know, there's, Parts of me aren't doing so well, you know, that I just kind of, I kind of shellack that over and just hope that it gets better and I keep praying and all the stuff I'm doing. But um, I wonder if like this thing happens like this and that there's these kind of reservoirs of kind of like anxiety that just get, you know, there's a, there's a place that it's okay to like freak out culturally over right now, mm-hmm. you know, and it taps into that deep reservoir, you know, and I think that, that that's somewhat what we're seeing uh, and what is happening, not that it's um, not warranted at some level, but also there's other things in play in the human condition that says, oh, we are folks that carry around a lot of fear about death and well-being, and we live in these fragile bodies, you know? We, only, we are only confronted with that. Yeah, I think you're right. I think there's a lot of anxiety and fear deep, just like there's brokenness that we cover up. I think there's a lot of fear and anxiety yeah, yeah, and concern yeah. that we cover up. We yeah. just, like you, you use the word to lacquer it over or whatever yeah, you shellac. call it, shellac it yeah, over. Yeah, yeah. And it gets layered, layered like a nice yeah. table. And you can see the wood through the, if you've seen those tables that have that huge level layer of like yeah, shellac yeah, when yeah, it's clear. Yeah, yes. And you can see the wood, but when you touch it, you're like, oh man, I'm oh. not even close to the wood. No. It's like you're touching yeah. <laughs> an, an inch above <laughs> and it's clear. It's like, Oh, that's interesting. That protects that wood, but you can see the wood. Yeah. And it, th- there's something about the fear that we have that we walk around with every day. So I think we all have a brokenness in our heart and our life that yeah. sometimes we never share. And mm-hmm. when we do, we don't share all of it. I think the same is true with fear. We all have deep rooted fears in our lives, anxieties in our lives that we just, we don't want anyone to know. Mm. There are things we don't want people mm-hmm. to know that we're yeah. afraid of. Absolutely. And Absolutely. we don't want people to know yeah. the things that, that are broken inside yeah. of us. So we all have things we hide. And I think when you talk about beloved community, you're talking about being in the kind of place that I think is, is best for spiritual life, where you could actually be in a relationship where someone knows everything Thing about, about you. you. There's a lot of people who are married and they don't know everything and they haven't shared everything with the person that they are married to. Who in your life, if anybody, could you literally share everything? Wow. Everything. Everything. (laughs) (laughs) Next week, John will share everything with all of us. Everything. (laughs) When 9-11 happened, we bound, we, we, we bonded together. Yeah. When Harvey hit, yeah. we bond together. Yeah. 
but those are regional, but there's some regional aspect to that. The difference with this is this is the entire world. This This is is the the entire human family. Yes. Whether we think it's serious or overblown or whether we're scared of it, wherever we are in that, this is this, this, these viruses, these illnesses are the things that really you go, this is, you can't bluster your way out of this. No, you can't. I mean, look at the economy and you talk about fears. You're looking also at Wall Street. You're looking at now stimulus packages. You're looking at oil prices. You're looking at all of these things that are happening where you you just take a pandemic. (laughs) That seems like that would be enough. (laughs) But it triggers. I guess it's not. (laughs) You know, it's like systems theory. Everything is interconnected. And I wish that we could learn this about our lives, how deeply we are interconnected. And it just, it makes me think, you know, there's, now within the in Methodist denomination, there's a group that's, you know, going to break. We're going to we're going to break into two different churches, yeah, yeah. but it's probably going to be delayed because they were going to have their big meeting in Minneapolis, a general conference where delegates come from yeah, all yeah. over the world. Guess hey, what? That ain't going to happen. Coronavirus yeah. <laughs> says no, can do. We're not going to do that. Corona one, Methodist yeah. zero. Yeah. <laughs> So, Church split zero. So you're going to stay home and just have to figure this out, how to keep living in the tension for a little bit longer. Yeah. I don't know that that's a bad thing. That's beautiful. I hadn't thought of that, right? Because we think that the the joy is getting out of the tension. Mm-hmm. And, and, and maybe life is the tension. And maybe this is the deep calling of the spirit as deep calls to deep. Mm-hmm. Scripture says. So maybe the deep part is where I can't touch the bottom, that I then have to learn that there's a, um, a presence underneath the presence that holds us all, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I wonder then if then the spirit of the living God speaks over the, the, the pandemic called chaos and, and that, that then as a human community, then we say, God, we're in a place in history where things are kind of they're kind of frail. They're kind of freaking out. Um, would you would you reorient us? Would you remember us? Would you do something that we cannot do so that we might become the people that we cannot be without you? But I would like to see the human family go through something like this and actually learn a bigger lesson. Yes. And not then just move right back into the same old arguments because when you talk about privilege, once we're through with this, you know, we're right back into our yeah. privileged status of, well, we figured that out. We figured the SARS out. We figured the MERS out. We figured the H1N1 out. We figured the Zika out. <laughs> We're going to figure the coronavirus. We, let's, let's figure this out so we can get back to arguing to about the president. Yelling at each other. <laughs> let's get back to what really matters. Keeping those folks out of this thing. Or let's talk about, you know, <laughs> I, I, I'm, Katy Perry is pregnant. Katy Perry's pregnant, and and you, you they're not even talking about it. <laughs> you know you who's who's think, Queen yeah. B on the Masked Singer? <laughs> I think it's Gladys Knight, but I don't know. And what I can't even they're cutting it into it. President's talking. Well, I think we are going to uh, continue to see this thing grow. We don't know what comes next. I mean, this is part of the. This is one last thing I'll say. I think Protestant Christians, and for people who don't even Roman Catholic Church, 
well, yeah, I've had one church for a thousand years and then you get the Orthodox and the Catholic split yeah. for yeah. the next 500. Yeah, yeah. Then you get the Protestants, right? Protestants are real big on the empty cross. Our, our faith has always been the resurrected Jesus, the empty tomb. I love that. It's great. And so when we wear a cross, it's empty. But Catholics and Orthodox mm. have always maintained this cross oh, with yeah, the crucifix, yeah, yeah. with the suffering Jesus hanging on the cross. Yeah. Yeah. And what's fascinating to me is that I think the, the ancient faith of Catholicism and Orthodoxy, they understood that suffering is something that most connects us to Jesus. Yeah, and is to be expected in this life. And so I think that one of the things we need to reclaim is the, is the suffering Ooh. Jesus and the nature that in suffering, we're not separated from Jesus. We're actually, I think Merton says that we are more connected to Christ at, at, when we are suffering yes. than at any other point in our lives. Yes. That that is, I don't know what it is to heal a, a blind man. I don't know what it is to walk on the water, uh, but I, I know what it is to suffer and Jesus suffered. Yes. wept in the garden of Gethsemane, not yeah. wanting this to happen. Yeah. And you think about that, that pathos, that, that emotion, that fear. And mm. I wonder with American Christianity and the empty cross, we, for us, it's all about the victory. It's all about the celebration. Getting it's all about it. huh. the exit. Yeah. And I think we've lost the capacity to deal with the in-between. And this is what we're confronted with these situations. That's good stuff. It's I mean, a that's, test of faith. That, that's a that's a gospel, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, that's where that's where John Sabrino, this this uh, um, Catholic theologian, Latin American theologian, says in the church, um, if if really the folks that are on the margins, the edges, the poor, those that um, have no voice, are the crucified ones, mm. then the church's work is to pull people off their crucified crosses. Right. And so if there are folks in the coronavirus, this all the stuff that's happening or whatever is going on right now that are really suffering, um, part of what we will always do and part of where the church will always be found is next to people that are um, that are being crucified. How do we how do we enter their suffering and alleviate that with love and material things that, you know, I hope people in this will seek out a beloved community. And I yeah. hope that. Yeah that through this, we will also find some capacity to rise above these other things that so easily separate Absolutely. us. Absolutely. And to Absolutely. see how, how much we, we yeah. need each other yes. uh, all the time, not just when we're confronted with a terrorist attack or a yeah. virus or a storm. Yeah. Well, uh, we're gonna keep praying for everybody out there. And you know, but one of the things I love about doing this weekly with you is that we really can deal with yeah things that are in real time That's right. and it, it, it's harder because it would be easier to, to, to do like 20 and, and then just push them out them there. Yeah. But to no. speak in real time yeah. to real situations to that's me right. is, uh, I think that's incarnate. That's, that's right. Incarnation. Yeah. So that's right. Anyway, so if there's somebody in, I think in our community's life, like at Chapel that, that knows that there's people that need a community like this, like bring them. Yeah. Right. I mean, um, Community is open. This is not a closed place. We are working out our faith. We're loving folks, and so um, um, if there's somebody in your life that needs a place like Chapelwood, come on. Yeah. All right. I'm John Stevens, and I'm Matt Russell, and this is Pod Have Mercy. <laughs>